podcast is about taking media action, find the problem, fix the problem. This is your opportunity. It's either a hell yes or a fuck no. It's that simple. <laughs> now is the time to take action. Now's the time to do more and be more. Sleek what it is. <laughs> Spritzer. All right, guys. Welcome to the Tango One Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Smith. This is my co-host, Casey Wright. Our job and our mission every week on this show is to challenge you to do more and be more, take action against your weaknesses. Today, we have a couple of prime examples of that. Uh, two of my best friends, my longest friends, longest standing friendships. Uh, I got Ty Statistician and Joe Morden. Ty's a realtor. He's an appraiser, an investor, and a landlord. He wears a lot of hats, but they're all in the same game. He's a father and a husband, uh, the top producer at Deerbrook Realty since 2013. And Joe from Morden Realty is an investor. He's uh, He's got his hands in real estate and several other non-traditional avenues for building wealth. A year, about a year ago, he quit his six-figure job with benefits and pension to go all in on this real estate gig and hasn't looked back. He's also a father of three and a husband to a beautiful wife. So welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having, Thanks us. For having us. Pretty pumped to have you guys on here today. Uh, this is the first time on this show we've really talked money. Like So here and there it gets brought up and, and real estate has been one of the topics that's been brought up in other shows talking about like investments so outside of Haas. I don't think we really, really talked about money at all. So today in this episode, I'd love to talk about some investments, some of those wealth strategies that you guys are using, uh, what it's like to be your own boss because both of you guys are part of that. And then uh, talk lifelong friendships because that's uh, what the three of us have as, you know, becoming part. We are, we are basically family. And now we got this little kid brother who's, who's joined our circle. And uh, that's what it's about, I think. And, and, and I think that Casey will actually benefit hugely from this because he's starting as he starts in the fire department. Now he's starting to look at, you know, putting away for his retirement. So hopefully we can build on that knowledge. You guys can help everybody. Cool. All right. All right. Yep. Let's do this. Yep. Okay, so Joe, let's start with you, man. Let's go back, like, you're 30 years old. So Joe is, like, what, year older than me. Yeah. Okay, so you guys know I'm 42, Joe's 43. Uh, you're 30 years old. You're in debt just like I was. Yeah. Even though we were both killing it, making, you know, six figures. You're working for the city. I was working for the city. Uh, you, and you were, back then, I remember you actually speaking about, let's start looking at properties. Let's, we were, you know, Joe and I were roommates for a long time. Ty was a non-paying roommate who <laughs> slept over every Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so how did this all begin, man? Like now you're retired and let's just start from there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at 30 years old, I think I was in debt, like credit card debt to the worst kind. Um, took me about five years. We started looking at real estate. I always knew it was a good investment, but it was kind of talked out of it for all the downfalls as far as uh, being a landlord to tenants and things like that. Um, at 35 years old, I finally made the plunge and bought a duplex with my brother. So we bought our first property. Um, we kind of just soon after that, my son was born. 
So we kind of nicknamed that property that was Grant's property. So he owned half of it and that was going to be his retirement or his uh, education fund. So that was the idea. Um, when we found out we were pregnant for our second one, we said, hey, maybe we should buy another property. And so I actually left the hospital while Julie was in the, uh, just after delivery. I'm like, okay, to you go to meet with the Ty. baby was out. Yeah, yeah the baby okay. was out. The baby was out. But I left the hospital no to, go, <laughs> to go and meet Ty at a property we had planned to meet at. Um, so that's that's how it kind of snowballed. And then there, we had another kid. So we bought another property. Um, after that, it, there was a little bit of a lull until I realized the power that those three properties provided me. We had built up all this equity. Real estate had gone up quite a bit. And that's when I we made a decision like, hey, let's let's really put our efforts into this thing and see where we can where it can take us. So about two years after that, we had we had purchased two more properties, and my wife Julie made a suggestion. She's like, why don't you just quit your job and let's let's try this full time. So that's that's what happened. I quit Enwin. I put a lot of effort into learning different avenues on on wealth creation, not doing your typical. Uh, stashing money away in RSPs because um, I, I never I couldn't get into that my dad was always stressing that to me but I always felt like that was I didn't want to give somebody the power to hold my money for 30 years for me to take it out in 30 years hoping that I wasn't going to be making what I was now my goal was to build wealth long term and have more money when I was 60 years old than I had when I was 40 so I wanted that I didn't need that tax break now and then have to pay tax later on that money. So that's what kind of led me into all the different avenues that we can probably talk about. Wow, that's, you know, that is crazy. And to look at it as an education fund and like purchasing for your family, it gives you even more motivation to do so. Sure. And I remember like when you were, you know, obviously I quit like maybe a year before you, something like that. Yeah. And you were, you were basically like right on my toes and you're like, hey, I wanna do this too. Like, what's it feel like? And it, you know, that that's a big, uh, it's a big move that first day and then, but like, since you've quit, do you miss it? You were hard working. You, you enjoyed your other job just like I, I did, did. Yeah, yeah, I really did enjoy it. Um, once I started real estate, I started falling in love with real estate. And then that job could just kind of became a hindrance on my time. So do I miss it? No. The only thing I miss really is just the guys, the relationships at that, at that job. Yeah, man, same yeah. with me. Yeah. And then Ty. So Ty, you were working in, I guess I call it media, what you were doing, right? Like. Mm internet and building a web design yeah. web design and stuff and you were one of my my stops that i'd make in my morning coffee route when i was a cop because you were downtown i'd go sit in your office all the time um you didn't seem to really love it and then all of a sudden it was like you're like you told us hey i'm going in i'm going to start doing this real estate course i'm like oh okay like you'd had a few jobs over the time and we didn't think much of it and then all of a sudden i feel like it was like within a minute you were killing it and all over this and up uh, you also like quit your career and kind of never looked back. What was it for you? Uh, well, for me, I mean, it was, I was kind of forced into a decision at that point. It was like, you know, what route do you want to go? I could see the writing on the wall at the company I was at that, um, you know, we had built up, I think I was the sixth or seventh employee hired. We got up to like in the eighties, I think with an office in Ohio and everything was booming. And then, you know, just mismanagement kind of tore things down and you could see people j just getting axed left and right. And they had basically closed the Ohio office. I think there was three people left there. And then all the higher-ups that were even above me that came in after me were getting axed because they were making more money, right? So 
I knew that it was going to fall down to me. And I was managing like nine or 10 designers, but we were working from home. They couldn't even afford to pay like rent. So they put us at home to work and I was doing uh, outside sales. So I was calling basically university college coaches, uh, athletic coaches to try and, you know, push our software on them, which was, uh, we had great software. We just didn't, you know, we just, the boat was missed there. So anyway, I could see that I was going to get canned and um, I had to start to decide like, what am I going to do? And at the time, Windsor, Essex County wasn't a huge web design, multimedia type area. If I wanted to get a good job, I was probably going to head up back up north to, to Toronto, so east to Toronto. So, and I didn't want to. I mean, I got comfortable here, my friends, my family. Um, so I had my feet up on the desk one day down in my office, and I'm just like, real estate. I had always loved real estate. Uh, had I read the Rich Dad Poor Dad books, and you know that had changed my mentality on on you know the focus on how to do things properly and uh, you know get out of the rat race and so at, at that point I, I literally picked up the phone I called my mom and I said because uh, I had no money I said mom I want to take uh, real estate courses uh, I think that would be a good thing she's like I think you'd be really good at that and she said I'll pay for whatever it takes for you to get your your uh, license and I said well thank you and basically just off off and running from that point on um, I bartended a little bit, you know, at, uh, at a few different bars downtown to uh, <laughs> shout out Treehouse, subsidize, <laughs> yeah, Treehouse symbol, to uh, subsidize the uh, income a little bit. And um, we lived at my Windermere duplex that I still owned. We lived uh, upstairs together and uh, had our first kid there. And uh, yeah, kind of never turned back. It was it was a great fit. And um, I wish I would have started earlier. That's the only thing I would have done differently is started earlier. Yeah, they say there's never a bad time to buy real estate, right? I mean, I, you know, funny story, Ty, <laughs> Ty, you bought that first duplex with uh, Drummond while you were still working at your old job. And uh, I was the lawyer for that agreement, if you remember. <laughs> you bought it off a guy that was on our team and we had been out partying all night long and now we're working the SWAT team and we go into his office to, so I was making the, like the connection, the liaison between these guys to make this purchase of this guy, Dave's house. So Drummond and Ty were going to buy it. And Ty, I go and I'm literally sleeping in the closet of his office while they're brokering this deal. And Ty's boss comes in. He's, he's like, looks at us in uniform and then looks at me laying on the ground in uniform. Ty, he's yeah, like, who's that's that? My lawyer. Ty's like, that's my lawyer. <laughs> I was so hungover. I slept in there while they did that. But I remember at that time, like, you guys, you guys were kind of like, remember, it was like, oh man, we might have overpaid for this. And we, we've all had that funny conversation. Joe, I remember when you bought your house and I don't, but in Point West, let's just give the area. And, it was like the most expensive house anybody has had ever bought. It was like, like you were looking in like the threes or whatever. And we were all like, whoa, whoa, you're crazy. I remember you and I having long conversations about this. And now you can't even find a fucking like shack for three. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's crazy what's happened in this world. So yeah. let's like, actually, I was going to bring this up later, but Ty, you mentioned it. So both of you guys in like your bio thing, the funniest bios I had to ever send because I literally know everything <laughs> about you guys. But the your book, uh, both that you recommended and... Uh, it just got recommended to me by somebody else. It's been recommended to me so many times. I don't know why I haven't read it, and you should probably read a case. Is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, Rich, Rich Dad, Dad, Poor Dad? Dad. Yeah. yeah, just maybe let's cover that just a little bit. If anybody was going to buy a book, it seems like that just keeps getting recommended over and over. Maybe we can push some people to actually go and buy that. Mm -hmm. I can get some credits on Amazon. Can we like somehow <laughs> link that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so go ahead. Whatever one you guys want to kind of. The concept of the book is basically that he had what he called two dads. He had his dad dad who was like a kind of a corporate America type position that, you know, he, he instilled in his son, you know, work hard, work at something that gets you a pension. 
so that you can retire with benefits and blah, 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 right? And then he had this other dad, and I, I'm drawing a blank on who this guy was, but he was like his mentor. And he was the opposite. He was, uh, you know, business oriented and had different mindset. Um, you know, you're constantly going to be working for somebody else and paying them as opposed to, you know, working hard for yourself and earning your wage and building, you know, building your own business, tax implications, all these different things. And, uh, you know, the concept was once you're, once you're in that, they call it the rat race. Once you're in that rat race and you're in that wheel and you're, you're constantly just trying, you work to make your payments, you work to make your payments, you save a little bit, you work to make your payments and like, I mean, some people are comfortable with that, but at the end of the day, you're banking that this company's still going to be around. You're going to have a good pension so that when you're 60 or whatever, you can actually retire comfortably. It just didn't, it just didn't uh, fit for me. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, and after reading that book, it just gave a lot of clarity. And then obviously he talks about real estate and how there's so many different ways to, uh, to build wealth in real estate. And I mean, that's what I got out of it. It's been so yeah. long since I read it, I should read it again. No, you're right on. It's probably the most influential real estate book. If you talk to real estate investors that, you know, that have really impacted them, it changes your mindset for sure. So you guys always talk, like everybody says it all the time is investing in real estate and that's the way to like, you can't lose with doing that. But when I think of like, and listen to the story of you guys all getting into this like 10 years ago, Right, and then I think of what kind of the price range of some of these places are. Mm -hmm. Getting started at those now, looking back on pretty low prices for things, how would you, or what advice would you say to somebody closer to my shoes, where it's like you're trying to get into real estate, and right now seems like the most insane time ever to get involved in real estate because it's higher than it's ever been, mm -hmm. and you even wonder if it's going to continue to go up. So, mm -hmm. how do you change the outlook to like? Is that still your thought? Like, go for it, or is there a point where it seems almost undoable? I think you still got to go for it, but I think you got to change your strategy a little bit. You know, there's different strategies, different opportunities. So you have to dig a little deeper to find those opportunities, whether you're taking a single family home and making it into a duplex, or maybe you're buying a fourplex and you're going to house hack it, or you live in one of the units and you rent out the other three units. And you do that for a couple of years, and then you can move on to your dream home, you know? Um, it's, it's getting in the market is the hard part, but once you're in it, then that equity is going to continue to grow for you. Right. Especially with the banks and loving like his steady job, you're for sure, you know, you're yeah. let's call her your common law has this, the same thing. Right. And you already have a, a home. I think that's the hugest thing. And that was like one of the, the things that really helped all three of us get going is we did buy homes young. Like mm -hmm. I bought my house at 22. I just sold that baby for, you know, almost three and a half. Ty just sold that. Let's get that. Shout out to Deerbrook Realty's top, top broker. Ty sold that baby for me for like three and a half times what I paid for it. Like, and eventually all these properties are going to, they just continue to grow. It's so wild how this is happening. Is crazy. But I wonder though, too, like we're lucky, like that being said, like Brooke and I were lucky to have, like we bought over a year ago now, but we were like, we fucked up. Like things are crashing. Like we weren't, we were nervous. Obviously now sure. we're happy about it and it worked out. But I think about people like, especially now living in the GTA area. And I wonder, like, I couldn't imagine being me four or five years ago, right? Trying, like the starting value for a lot of the places in our area is like $1.2 million. It's like, how do you even get off the ground, be like working a regular job mm -hmm. with, even if you do have a decent income at 22, 23 years old, like is the bank mortgage rates going low enough for this to be available for people is there like other ways you're talking locally or like where you're at uh 
Like, there's a little bit let's of difference go, because yeah, of Toronto. Yeah, let's stick with locally here. Yeah, I mean, everybody says prices are so crazy, it's hard to, to make money as an investor. It, it's it's still pretty relative. So, like, when we were buying houses for $210,000, $190,000, rent was 800 bucks a month. 900 bucks a month was a good take, right? Now, anything, two bedrooms, one bath, that's nice or even half nice, 15, 1600 bucks a month, right? So yes, the values have gone up, but the rents are going up. And I personally believe, and it's kind of unfortunate that because our values are continuing to go up in our area and people's you know, household incomes aren't necessarily going up, we're gonna start to price out some of the first time home buyers and in some cases, second time home buyers. You gotta look at a $600,000 mortgage. That's like, you need two people making 100K for that to be comfortable. And right. we don't have a lot of that. So I feel like that's gonna create a lot more renters because they need to save some money, right? So people say, oh, it's a bad time, market's high, it's a bad time. What's the saying they say? It's time in the market, not, not timing time. the market. Right. Just get in, right? Get in, so if you're gonna be a real estate investor, yes, be creative, try and find something that you can add a, add a suite to, or uh, what we like is stuff that we can completely redo because you get more value out of it, but uh, try and find reasons not to buy. That's that's You're gonna be looking back five years later saying, and crap I think a lot of places in Toronto specifically everything's shrinking so like you used to for one million dollars you used to get X amount of size of condo right but that's now shrinking so what you're the prices aren't necessarily going up per property that's being built but those those things being built are much smaller right yeah. so let's talk about so if at a certain point and you're dealing with this with your nephew and you know from even from a business if the garage wants to grow eventually i will need to have a trusted partner i will need to and you guys have come a partnership we'll talk about what you guys are getting into and doing together maybe in a bit but like in, in terms of casey or like your nephew or first time home buyers right now they need to find somebody or people like you guys who are doing the like investment projects where we can you know we can pull the deed and you guys are kind of backing us type thing what are some of those maybe strategies that people could use? But also like when you go into like, it's very hard and I've done it to hand over $100,000, you know, $200,000 to somebody and trust them. What are maybe some things that have helped you guys partner with other people or even together? Obviously we have a different relationship, but still that's, a, that's gotta be a concern in your minds is that, you know, you guys have known each other 25 plus years we, we've literally traveled we are we call each other family mm -hmm. your uncles to our, each other's children and mine that's a concern right like money between friendships and then money with strangers even more so maybe what are some things that you look for in a good partnership and how would you go about that blow you away uh, with that one that's a long winded <laughs> question personally 10 like, questions that was always in one. a rule of thumb right don't get into business with family or friends so it's something you always try and tiptoe around um, but I, I just feel like uh, when, when Joe and I decided to work together, like I was showing Joe so many houses because he was the, you know, he was the investor. I mean, I had a couple, but he constantly just showing him properties and being an investor and a realtor is, uh, it's tough because I have to take a step back and let everybody buy the good stuff, right? So I'm constantly showing properties to him or to other people and I'm like, man, I want to buy this house. I want to buy this house, but I got to let them buy it because that's my job. So it got to a point where I, we, we were walking through properties. I'm like, I'd buy this. And he's like, he just said at one point, well, let's do one together. Let's do this one together. And I think it was, a, it was a complete gut, like a flip. And I don't think we got the first couple that we bid on, but then eventually we, you know, we got one. And I don't know, it just, it's a good fit between us. I think we both have the same personality. I think that's key. You can't have, 
very difficult to have one bullheaded person and one passive person because it'll just constantly somebody's always having to give up and uh, somebody's always trying to lead but I don't know we both have very passive laid-back personalities um, we don't really argue about anything so it's, uh, it just yeah. seems a good fit the two of us I don't know um, I don't know what the what the key to success is but like I say if you don't if you don't have matching personalities or at least have some type of a, a friendship as a base to go by I would be I would be very very uh, cautious entering something into that I've never given my money to somebody yet, and I'm not opposed to it, and just say, here's my investment, talk to you in a year, see how it goes. Uh, I'm, I'm up for that, but I would really have to do my research, know the person, see their track record, things like that. Just It's a lot more comfortable knowing the people that you're working with. It's matching haircuts. <laughs> matching, matching haircuts. haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, along the lines of family and friends and not doing business with them, I actually take the opposite approach. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to help my family and my friends. So my family and the friends that weren't involved in real estate, I'm trying to draw them in as partners. And as far as keeping that relationship in good order, I think it's about setting expectations. So my partners, it's basically hands off. They, they You're right. They, they just blindly hand me money, but they know who I am. They know my background. They know that... You know, I'm not skipping town. I'm not the flaky kind of person. So that re those relationships have benefited me, and hopefully, I've provided benefits to them. Um, but I, I, those are the people that I go to first. If I have a deal that I want to go to, either a coworker or former coworker of mine, a friend, a family member, those are the people that I'm trying to help in this. Yeah, maybe not blindly, right? You're you're very upfront with what you will provide for sure, and what they will provide, and what the agreement is, and yeah. then they trustingly. Right. hand you the money and yeah. then blindly yeah. let you do what you what should do. do with it right and exactly. i think that's a big part of it is yeah you know like don't get the plumber to do your electricity right like you're trusting the guy who's done this and now you have a you have a great resume of this the first couple might have been a little bit harder to sell but now when yeah. you've done like more and you have you know an established partner with you it, it just seems to make even more sense and i think uh for me i agree with you 100 percent. like i don't do business with anybody who I don't have a relationship with. In fact, you've been here mm -hmm. as I've cut ties from my early days in business with people that I'm like, you know what, I just don't fucking like this guy. Mm -hmm. Why are you leaving that company? Mm -hmm. I don't like them. I, I don't like, I will not go up to dinner with this guy. I would not meet him for a drink. I will not have a coffee with them. They're no longer somebody I'll do business with, right? Mm -hmm. Why would you? Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of opposite, and but also being cautious of you don't want to do business and ruin a good friendship is, is kind of always something. Yeah, you still sure. got to pick the right friends yeah. and the right family members, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of my family members and friends that I can just tell that would be too uneasy, right? They'd be right. calling every other day and saying, what's going on now? What's going on now? Um, yeah, so you're right. It, people that you can trust, people that you have a relationship with that have similar interests, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, what exactly are you guys doing together? We've kind of like beat around the bush. Like what are you doing together? Is are you? Is there anything anybody who's listening could maybe reach out? Like, what what are you doing? Let's talk about that. You're flipping. You're. You don't even know. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. What are we doing? We just keep buying houses and coming up with a plan afterwards. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we flipped one house. So we uh, we we bought the house in uh, in East Windsor there, and uh, we I mean we had a great plan in place. We came up with a budget. Uh, he came up with he ran his numbers, and I ran my numbers completely separate, and we put them together and. Although I may have been higher in plumbing and he was lower in this and that, like we were literally like five grand off of our total budget numbers. So we were on the same page and uh, it was our first project. We were two weeks later than we wanted to be. We were maybe a thousand dollars over budget 
and we made uh, more money than we expected to make when we set out to do it. So it was a success, and I think halfway through that we started we started looking at some other stuff. We, I mean, we were going to offer on a complete gut in, uh, in Walkerville that was a big, big project. Like we would needed investors and everything, and we didn't get it. But it's probably a good thing because a little bit of a cart a cart ahead of the horse. But um, I don't know. We're both in the same mindset that you know real estate is a win no matter what. And the most recent one we walked in and we bought. I don't think he wanted anything to do with it, no. and uh, <laughs> it was disgusting inside. It reeked, and uh, I walked out with a smile on my face and said, "This is a gold mine." <laughs> so we walked right back in, and we had a we made an offer on the in the living room and had a handshake deal, and now we're working on it. So yeah. it's don't look back. That's awesome. So That's- is there some like excitement a little bit in the fact like? Real estate is obviously talked about a lot that it's like a pretty good thing, but nothing's a sure thing ever, right? Is there a bit of like excitement in the buying of a big project, just knowing that it necessarily won't work out and like you are taking that kind of gamble and risk towards it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's risk anytime you're investing in anything. I think, you know, we try and mitigate the risks as much as we can by you know running numbers and making sure we're on the same page and what this property is going to cost and having a backup plan for what the property you know the original or the house we just purchased we have two plans for it whether it's going to be a flip or a long-term rental so just making sure that you're prepared for whatever comes at you right. if the market tanks hey we're fine we're going to hold this thing and rent it out and it'll cash flow fine Makes sense. Yeah. yeah let's read in an ad right now so speaking about insuring Let's talk about Murray Insurance. This episode is sponsored by them. Murray Insurance and Financial Services in Kingsville, Ontario. They're Southwestern Ontario's number one ranked Desjardins insurance agency by their clients, and they're owned by Garagium Kingsville OGs Ian and Kara Murray. Ian and Kara's team provides prides themselves on many of the high standards the Garagium members have come to expect. They are absolute experts in their industry. They have over a, a combined over 100 years of experience in their office. They're the best uh, customer service in the industry. They have a claims concierge service, which, which is exclusive to their clients, and they focus on community, employing local team members, and investing back into the Essex County community on a continual basis. They're a one-stop shop for everything to protect you, your family, and your assets with the best policies in the industry. Give their team a call today, or send them a text at 519-733-231, or sorry, 2331, 519-733-2331, or check them out at murrayinsurance.ca. Ian and Kara, thank you for always supporting everything that we do here. All right, so uh, you guys, what you guys have done, what you guys are doing is awesome, and it, it's. Uh, I went through like a, an absolute dive with the two of you, and we were looking at right before COVID. Remember the no, the yeah. one on Jeanette, yeah. and I was actually concerned about having PTSD. My <laughs> getting my flashbacks when we were going in there, um, but like it, like that gave me a whole new appreciation for what you guys do, because when you walk in there, it's just like. It's it's to the it's overwhelming to think and to see the beauty that could happen and the the and the the money that you could make off a piece of shit like an absolute like garbage like the worst like of- those are the ones that excite us the most like we walk through a property and he'll have an investor with him and I'm playing realtor at the time and we walk through a property I'm like this is awesome Joe and his his <laughs> investors would be like. Like they don't even want to be in there anymore. I'm like, no, this is what we look for—a complete shithole that we can. You're gonna gut it if it's even if it's like a little bit nice. You're gonna gut it anyway. So if it's a complete shithole, even better, right? Gut it to the studs. And that well, I think that one we looked at with you was what a potential 
fourplex or yeah. potential three unit we were gonna have three to turn or four it into. i think you yeah. wanted to do yeah. yeah so and i like keeping tabs on those to see what the you know whoever bought it does with it but um yeah th those are the ones that excite me i love shitholes that's why we're all such good friends <laughs> so uh, let's go back let's stay away from the friendship for a minute so let that one die down but uh joe let's talk uh with you like i know so one thing i love about you is uh and i know ty you dabble in this too but i want to talk about pensions specifically because there's so many cops that listen to this and i i feel like cops and and at your old job uh Everybody's so pension, 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 which is not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. However, it's not the only way. And I think people are so fearful of making the step that you and I took because of losing that pension. But what I found was, and what been my experience so far, like three years out, is that I I took the pension. I, I took the money that I saved, and it's my money to do what I want with. And I think last year, Omer's like had a 1%, was a 1% return or something like crazy like that. Whereas, you know, your investments have had significantly more than that and mm -hmm. as have mine mm -hmm. through, I do have some traditionals and I also have, you know, some property investment and real estate investment. So what, like, what are some of the things that people maybe aren't thinking of that are sitting, because I know there's a lot of people in this gym who are maybe considering moving to another position or doing something that makes them passionate or that creates that fire for them. What could they think about when they're talking in terms of pension and, and ways to go and make different routes to build wealth? Well, like, first of all, you're right. That pension, you're not throwing it away if you do quit under most circumstances, right? You're taking a chunk most, of that yes. money. You're taking a chunk of that money and you're going to be able to invest it in how you want. So first so, thing is to make sure you're not throwing away the yeah, money. Exactly. <laughs> first step, first thing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, make sure you're not throwing that away. But to me, like, it's about taking ownership of, of your money and nobody's going to care for it like you do. Not a, not a pension company, not a mutual fund manager, not a financial advisor. Like for me, it was all about giving me the authority and the power to, to do what I want to do with my money to make sure that I, that if I failed, it was on me. I didn't want to give that responsibility to, to somebody else. I mean, I had done it for a little while, you know, investing in a, in mutual funds through a financial advisor and didn't really seem to be getting me anywhere. And I never really, you know, understood why it was advised to invest in RSPs when I had a pension. To me, that didn't make much sense, right? You, you've got a pension. The idea is that you're going to be collecting 60 to 60 to 70% of your, your best five years, 20 years from now. So why do you need all this money saved up in a, in a mutual fund that you're going to be taxed on that almost at the same rate that you would have been now? And that's assuming tax rates don't change you know, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but there's been a lot of money that's been printed in from our government and they need to pay that back somehow. They have a, the, the debt is astronomical. So how do they pay that back? It's going to be through raising taxes. So if your tax rate right now is at 30% and you're worried about it, what's it going to be like when you're 60 years old and you want to pull that mutual fund money out? The tax rates are going up. So are you going to be any, any better off than taking it out now and doing what you want to do with it? Right. And I think you also hit on an important thing there, too, with guys in Casey's position, like you, you don't want to quit the fire department, but also is it it doesn't make sense to maybe for you to be investing in that very traditional sense of RSPs because you will have such a great rate or you will be getting such a great pension. So people who have pensions are also, in my opinion, misinvesting their money because you're you're kind of like 
getting double taxed at the end of it you're not making the most uh, returns that you can it's not even for the people that want to quit it's just terms and i think what i was going when i first started i said one of the things that i that i really respect about you and like taya when you got into real estate or you as a fireman me as a cop people in the gym you don't like look at the person who's like deadlifting the same as you or like the fireman who's kind of the medium of the pack guy or the guy who barely makes you know his like commissions you're looking at what is the best guy doing, right? And I think a lot of people with their money, and you mentioned it in your you know, preamble and us over cigars so many times, instead of looking at what are the wealthy people doing, you're looking at like, what's your neighbor doing? Well, your neighbor's living exactly the same as you, like, you know, for like, so that's, I think, a very important thing to do is like, look at what the, the best people are doing in your industry and in terms of investments and wealth and, and, mimic that maybe at a smaller degree but eventually it'll start to pay you know terms for sure so you got something there case or yeah no it's just comparable in the way of like i just think of it in our kind of areas like you wouldn't go to you know your high school gym if you're a university athlete to go train with those guys well you might in some senses but like if you have the opportunity to go train with nfl players that's where you're going to go because that's where you're going to get the best training that's where you're going to get the most experience and that's where you're going to perform the best in your next season right so why would you do the same thing on a business side as the people who are at your level or below you go to them for advice or look at how they're doing things when go to the people at the top of their game because that's what you want to get to not where you are yeah it's so important to one of the things i told myself probably five years ago we become so passive we get comfortable in what we're doing and we're just out there earning never stop learning never be afraid to stop learning right you have to continue to educate yourself one of my big hurdles is becoming a real estate investor to get my second and third was like i don't want to fork out that 20 percent down payment right i was like you know have to come up with 60 70 80 thousand dollars that you know it would take a, a while to recoup that based on your monthly cash flows then you know we discovered this other strategy that was out there the burr method and it's just it just opens up a whole new world of how things can be done. And I would have never known that had I not started listening to podcasts and going to conventions in Toronto with Joe and the various different things that we do. We're never afraid to stop learning. Like we'll be at a convention and they want to teach, that's how we got into stock hack. And we were at a convention, they were teaching real estate investing, but then they talked for 10 minutes about this and you know, 2,600 bucks to sign up and everyone's like folding the paper under their lap and we couldn't sign it fast enough because we knew that it sounded good it made sense and if like I've spent $2,500 on a lot of dumber things before in my life like a weekend in Vegas so if I'm gonna spend it on something that's actually gonna educate me and I can earn that back in the first couple months of doing what they're teaching me to do win-win right so that's one of my big things is anytime education has been presented to me as long as it's along the lines of what my mentality is and the, and the road I'm going I'm in like yeah return teaching. on investment man that's what we're constantly that's i think that's the biggest thing we've spent so much money on mentorship and course how fast can you get return on that investment like how long did it take you with stock hacking to get your twenty five hundred dollars back yeah a month months yeah. <laughs> yeah. so pretty fucking sweet deal guys like yeah. everybody's so scared to make that like you know you want to get a coach we say it every single time get a coach if you're relying on yourself to do everything like learn from people who have done it and then learn and then when you top out on that coach, learn from the next guy. Mm -hmm. Like just yeah. keep leveling up to that to that potential. And, and as and a coach, get a coach. Like think about when we yeah. when we would do new courses, we'd do stuff with the muscle doc or we'd go to Indiana with Jay. It was like we thought we knew what we were talking about and we did to the level that we were trained to. 
but then we'd come back after a weekend or a week course and the clients are like holy shit like we took it up another level so now they're more interested and then mm -hmm. you're getting more referrals and more people involved so even mm -hmm. as like a professional always have someone above you to give you more advice because sure, then you're sure. gonna know. Yeah. and i think with seminars and courses like you guys know this like you guys are killing it however you're still investing in yourselves but spending a weekend away together in toronto learning some stuff going out to dinner having some drinks like that is a break from life as well and you come back and i feel like you come back from those things and even if you didn't learn one thing on the course you come back with a greater friendship a greater appreciation for being home like and you know like a break from the wife the kids the normal stuff and you also made you met people that sat next to you that sat at a table like this with you on a conference and then those connections pay dividends for years and years and years you Sometimes have no you idea you don't even learn anything i've, yeah. I've yeah. gone to conventions before where i'm like this was a complete fail as far as you know getting new knowledge but it got the mojo going again because sometimes yeah. you get you know sometimes you get a little complacent and you're comfortable with what you're doing and but you need a little kick in the ass every once in a while i find that these things no matter what to go down there and spend 600 bucks or whatever it is just to get somebody to light a fire under your ass again and give you maybe one new idea. Like, you know, I come home and I'm on Instagram like for a full week because, oh, Ty must have went to a convention. <laughs> that's, my, that's my trip to Ty already. Oh, he's and back on Instagram for a week. Media and I need to hire somebody to do it. But these are the types of things that they, they just remind you. They light the fire and they get you going again, if nothing else. Yeah, the reassurance too, right? Because like you might go and have somebody who's, again, up above making all this money and you're already doing those things right so it might be like oh shit i am doing the right things i just might have to step on the gas even more right so that's sure. that same reassurance yeah. to like yeah, yeah. Sure. sometimes you go to those conferences and you get you know put off into your little rooms or your little tables now it's little break rooms on zoom but you get put off in those things and you think that you're not like we we tend to always like take away from what we're doing like we don't give ourselves enough credit a lot of times and then you get at a table and you're like I'm I'm doing pretty damn good and right, consider yeah, like you're yeah. like maybe I shouldn't be here the content's kind of shit on this course but like you know you come back feeling like empowered like you're like man we've we've been doing some right things around the garage yeah, gym yeah. or at Morden Realty or you know Ty Station Realty whatever you're doing like it's awesome and I, so let's let's go back to the friendship I think one of the coolest things uh, is like surround yourself with like-minded people that we've that's the logo on our wall. And it really comes back to this, to this group of guys that, you know, Joe and I have been hanging out since we were five, six years old. Uh, Mike's dad jumped in and then we just started adding on to this group, Ty in high school. And now we're going on like 30 something years of friendship. Pour a drink, man. That also weird is that all these years, I've never seen you guys drink so little, especially when the booze is <laughs> well, free. The ice makes sure. much noise. No, go for it, go for it. Here, go for it. I'll get back into this. I'll read another uh, add-in actually where you guys load up your drinks. And you guys all know this guy. He's a great dude. Seamus McCabe. He's getting jacked with me in the gym. Uh, part of my mentorship program. But he is killing it in business. Uh, Seamus from Four Leaf Renovations. He's a carpenter by trade. And he will bring your dreams and vision to life. If you're looking for amazing, clean, custom. And I know you guys appreciate this. A couple of real estate guys. On time renovations. Call Seamus McCabe at Four Leaf Renovations. 226-346-1804. Or go to his website. www leafrenovations.com and fill out the quote and application form tell them tango one sent you great guy done work for us yeah recommend yeah <laughs> that's awesome and yeah he has done work for us too which is amazing um i won't get it drummond was over last night i won't get into uh what he pulled off and seamus might have done 
for drumming in our bathroom, but that's a long story. <laughs> Another podcast. So yeah, we got back to like, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons we have a good group of people and we've been together for a long time, but we've also been very protective of that group. We've had some, you know, guys, we'll call it transient friends that have come in. You know, they've been a solid part of that group. They always will remain part of like, they'll always be welcome into our households, but they're not maybe welcomed into those those exclusive little trips that we do, not exclusive, exclusive for us, that we do together. And uh, I think we've lived it up. Like our 20s, our 30s, even our teens going away, like May 2-4 is coming. Like there was not a May 2-4 where you weren't meeting us from Toronto or London, wherever you were, we were going to Pinery and, you know, all these different crazy things, which, you know, turn into Vegas and turn into New Orleans. And like, I don't know if there's a city in the States we haven't visited together. We go away three times a year together as it is. And um, I think the nine to fives really funded that fun. And I think though, it was those experiences that we had on all of those trips together that made us all want more. Cause really outside of Mikey, nobody really works a traditional job anymore. And, and Mikey's job is outstanding. And he does like amazing things. He got to travel the world because of this. Um, I think it comes down to friendships and groups and, you know, not, we didn't, none of us locked ourselves down. If there's advice I would give any young man is like not locking yourself down. We all had relationships so we didn't start to have kids. Like, we didn't like meet the girl and want to have the kids like a year later. We all, we were like, meet the girl, enjoy your time with that, with that woman, enjoy your time with each other, enjoy our times as couples together. And then we all started to have kids late in our thirties. And we seem to be standing at a much happier place than a lot of other people did. Like, can you guys speak to that at all? Like, if you, you know, you, you have nephews, you have sons. What are some of those advices that you're giving to them on those kinds of things? There's two different sides to the coin. Like, I, I know, uh, well, my sister personally, and then uh, another good buddy of ours that had kids when they were younger because they were oopses, right? Um, and at the time, yes, they kind of missed out on some of the things that we got to do when we were younger. But now their kids are all grown and they're starting to party. They're doing some are, awesome things now. We are. Young. <laughs> I feel like it's one end of the spectrum or the other. Don't do it in yeah. the middle, maybe, is, yeah. the, is the key. Because you're right. Middle. Happy yeah. median, right? Because those people are like, yeah, yeah, we're available tonight. What the fuck else are we doing? You're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're like oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Our kids will bring us there. They can drive us. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, we've got a very unique uh, group of, core group of friends that, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a huge pride of mine to say that uh, we've known each other. We've known all of all, all of us, the five or six of us for, like you say, 20, 30 years. Um, some even more. I think some, some of them I've known since I was seven or eight years old. Like you guys are family, mm -hmm. right? So to have that core group of friends and stick together this long through thick and thin, we've been through uh, quite a few different things, but we, um, we always seem to find a way to have fun. I think we had a, a running joke that we could put two lawn chairs in an empty field and still have a great time. Like, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did do that once, didn't we? But, uh, yeah, and then back then, like, when I was living with Drummond, like, I was scrounging money to get to, to get, afford to go to Vegas. It was the last dime I had, but I'm like, I'm not fucking missing this. There's no way. They're going to come home and tell me all the great stories? No. Nah. So, yeah, those are the things that you can't uh, you can't turn down and uh, builds, builds friendships stronger and uh, you learn from it and wouldn't do it any other way it's so funny that we're here talking about saving money when all of us like we never turned Spend down a like trip idiots, yeah. and i think one of the coolest things was like joe i mean i've borrowed significant amounts of money off of you i i've helped you to to make sure that you could go on a trip ty you've lent you know we've lent each other like oh, yeah. oh man you can't you can't afford that flight like here you go like we're all going to take care of it pay us back maybe you will maybe you won't like it's just kind of been the way our group's done it and everybody at some point has been the guy that's needed the help 
and there's always been the group there to always pick us up. It's been that's been a pretty sweet part of this yeah, thing. For sure. So it's and, been nice to see over the last like five years, you know, when we gotta pay for fantasy football or satellite or whatever it is that it used to be like you're chasing guys two to three weeks yeah. later and now it's like boom, oh he paid me, he paid me, he paid me. Everybody's paying right away. Yeah. It's like we're all big boys now. It's kinda yeah. nice. Yeah, <laughs> I should have never been the commissioner back in the day. It's, it's a way easier job now. <laughs> that is good to hear that like I think that's a big thing that people get caught up i know a lot of people my age get caught up on is it's like you want to have fun but you get so caught up in like the grind of doing stuff right so i think that's something good to hear is that like you still grind but when you have the opportunities to go away and enjoy your time to do that because i'm sure it refuels you and makes you excited to come back home right and get back into it so it's good it's nice to hear from you guys who have done it to say like work hard and do everything you have to do but when you have the opportunity Go and do it. it. So yeah. You don't just run yourself. Otherwise, what are you doing it for? Like, yeah. I guess you're doing it to save for your future, but at the same time, it's kind of morbid. But life's short. You never know what's going to happen, right? So I'm of the mindset that like enjoy life as much as you can. You're constantly sitting there saving your money and missing out on this and that, and you're going to look back and say, "Yeah, I've got a bunch of money now, but I didn't do anything with my life, right?" And you only get one run at it. So yeah. we haven't missed the boat on that. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that people uh, and to the other spectrum, like you talked about the people that had kids really young who now have all this freedom. I think the one what our group has done that's very unique is that we didn't like whatever that Ben Franklin quote. I always try to I butcher up, but it's like (laughs) men turn 25 and then they, you know, basically you get married, have kids and die because like you like it just becomes like the rat race. Like you talked about the start of this thing, Ty. And I think we've like, although it's not as often we still really make a point to like, hey, we're do all of us together, guys only, or hey, all of us and the couples. Like we make a point to just be together. And I think we've made we've made that expectation. It's not like we told our wives that. We've just said, this is how it is with us. And instead of them, and to their credit, instead of them like- Having resentment. Resentment yeah. and not wanting that. They, they are like, this is what these guys need. Like, this is, and they love it. And they are like, just as much a part of all of us like as as that and i think that's been a huge key is you know including the wives all the time but also spending some time together and and establishing that as something that we knew that's very important to us in our relationships and our friendships and we're able to go to you know your cottage just the guys for so many years and now just the guys with the with our little boys it's it's just amazing man i can't tell you how many times julie's told me like you need to go have a cigar with tony and a drink right it's just getting out and they're She's now embraced that, or always has, because it was always part of expectations, right? It wasn't wasn't something new that, oh, now I need to go out and go on vacation. It's just always happened. Yeah. She knew how important my friends were, and it's always been like that. Yeah, so I think it's like, just like you talked about the start, Joe, with your investors that are coming. It's like the upfront conversations that people maybe don't have in their relationships. It's like, okay, yeah. Do you guys, like most of us have sat down and had the conversation. It was like, for us at least at home, I think for you guys as well, it was like, yes, let's try to have some kids. Let's see. But when the kids came, it was also like, hey, like we still both need to do these things separately and to keep those relationships. And I think our relationships have actually gotten stronger. We still to this day don't miss a Sunday football, you know, together. We will miss them individually, but the group is still getting together all the kids come, the wives pop in and out. It's just like embrace that as like an extended family rather as, you know, something that you dread or even worse, 
that you just don't have anymore and you lose out of your life. Well, then don't you have two, like, happy people in the household, too? Like, there's a... I read Laird Hamilton's book, Life Rider, and him and his wife, Gabby Reese, was a pro volleyball player. But he's, like, a pro big wave surfer, um, travels the world. Like, that's his sole purpose. And now he does a bunch of things with... Uh, nutrition and all different training techniques but they talk about all the time is how he like she'll allow him to if he needs to he'll be like there's a big swell off the coast of wherever i need to leave today to go do it because they've gotten to a point where she knows if he doesn't then her husband's not going to be home for the next two weeks anyways because he's just going to be resentful and he's sitting there upset and all this stuff or when this big opportunity comes let him go and do it and now you have that person that you fell in love with back in the house, super excited, super pumped, and things are good, right? And I find that's, I think we've done, like we always talk about all the time, is you have to let your partner go do those things that make them who they are, and vice versa, because then now you're two happy people doing that together, so. Yeah, it's important sure. to be on the same page. I've even, I'm, even with investing, like the last one that we just purchased, I just went out to look at it and I said, I'm going to look at a house with Joe. And she's like, like for Joe or for us or for who? Like I said, well, we're contemplating maybe doing this one together. And uh, I came home and she's like, how'd it go? I said, we bought it. She said, what's that? <laughs> I said, we bought it. I made a handshake deal in the living room. I'm writing the offer right now. And like, she's cool with that. Like she trusts that this is my business and that I know what I'm doing. And and they're gonna have input too. Like they want to do the design for this one because the last one everybody was busy and we kind of took over ourselves. But they they like being involved and uh, having somebody understanding like that, where I can just come home and say, yeah, I just bought a house without talking to you about it. Um, like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> being on the same page is pretty good. It's pretty yeah. pretty pretty important. Yeah. It's true. And Joe, like I remember distinctly having a cigar with you in the basement, and you're like, you know, I really want to do this. I don't know where the conversation came, and you kind of said like, well what do you think? And it, w it was about Julie, but I was looking at it more of as like, when you're married, you're a team. And I was like, well, why don't you just see if she wants to get more involved? And like, I feel like since you, she started taking courses and becoming like, cause it was kind of like your little pet yeah. project. And once yeah. Julie came on board, I feel like that's when you blew up because sure. you had somebody at home that was just like, yeah, this is awesome. And wanting to be included. And that's, that's yeah. good to hear that. You and Julie are now working together, right? To yeah, an extent, I mean, or she's involved. With yeah, it. she's more involved. At, at first, like you were saying, she really had no involvement in it. But after I brought her along to one of the conferences, she sat there and said, "Like, holy shit, you're doing all this stuff that they're teaching." And then she was all on board. She wanted to get really involved. So she's been to a few conferences with me, and yeah, she's what used to be like a time hindrance on the family she now sees as an opportunity as investments yeah. and opportunities yeah. Yeah, that's great and that's yeah. kind of how the garage gym grew too like it was kind of my thing it was had really nothing to do with danny it was like i was like you know i just trained some people and then exposed her to that same thing and it's like she grew this fire for her, and then what happens it just mm -hmm. builds and builds especially if you're all in and that's yeah. what you should be in your household yeah. yeah it's all in together on all these things that's i think that's great things to to uh, live and learn by so let's go. So now you guys are, you said, Ty, I think you said, uh, the only thing I wish I would have done is do some of this stuff earlier. Mm. This is you right here. <laughs> okay. This is you like how many years ago, except for her, you're making more money than you, than he probably was at it at on letterhead. Right. Probably. Like, yeah. so what would you kind of have, what would you do if you were Casey's age right now? 
Well, if I was a firefighter, you've got a, you've got a job, you've got a house. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make some soup. Yeah. <laughs> I'd shine the truck. I'd put like some that. short shorts on. <laughs> and that's that's a solid gig to have at, at any age. But um, I don't know. As far as an investment side of things, if you're looking to um, you know, start thinking about what am I going to invest in? What am I going to do to grow my portfolio? Just, yeah, start listening to podcasts. Start going to various different conventions or, or, or chum up with some people that are doing it already and uh, and don't be afraid trust trust the professionals don't be afraid to dive in and obviously do your research and make sure that it's uh, you know that uh, everything's checks out but like when I say I wish I would have done it earlier I contemplated buying a house for a few a few years before that and uh, it just never seemed to work out and that was, it was kind of an anomaly because drum and I bought that together right and we were gonna live up and down and then we were good buddies. We went to Vegas and we were like, hey, why don't we live together and basically live mortgage free? And that was kind of the beginning. They call it house hacking now. And yeah. I didn't even know what that term was back then. <laughs> we basically we basically paid our bills because the tenant upstairs paid for our entire mortgage. So if, if anybody can get into you know that type of scenario now, which I feel like is even more important with these first time home buyers, because they can't afford it. So mm-hmm. buy a house with a buddy, right? If whatever you got to do to get into the market, whether you know you have to buy a house with a buddy or you have to buy something and just rent it out because you can't even afford to live there whatever it is get some property on if that's what you're looking for a real estate investment get in the market just get in the market one way or another it's, what are some other like outlooks to look for like i know you guys talked about the book uh rich dad poor dad mm-hmm. what are like some of the go-to like people to research some of the best podcasts to listen to some like other books that you guys have read like where would be the first kind of places to look into and to do the research personally i like uh local podcasts like ontario canada Mm -hmm. um bigger pockets is a massive one in the states but there's um there's one called um the truth about real estate investing there's one called breakthrough real estate investing both of them are out of the gta um they're great um, as far as books, there's a book called uh, Real Estate Investing for Canadians mm-hmm. by Don Campbell, who runs a massive real estate network. Um, it's also very good. I don't know if you have any other ones. I can't think of the names of the book, but Gary Keller, the author Gary Keller, uh, I think he's maybe started Keller Williams, um, has a lot of good books about real estate and real estate investing. But like, it's a simple Google, uh, just, but stick to Canada because obviously everything's a little mm-hmm. bit different. Um, but yeah, if you Google, you know, good Canadian based real estate, real estate books or podcasts. I started listening to, um, the one he mentioned, uh, the truth about real estate investing. And that opened a lot of doors for me, even stuff that being a realtor for like six years at that point that I didn't even know, right. Workarounds way to creative ways to finance deals. Um, you know, a lot of people don't think about borrowing other people's money. You want to borrow the bank's money at 2%. You can borrow somebody else's money at 10 or 12 percent it was like whoa that's crazy but at the end of the day if the numbers still work out and you're still going to make your money what you're paying them doesn't matter and it's important to keep paying them because you want to keep bringing them back to the table so um yeah all those those podcasts and uh and um but i would start with the rich dad poor dad series i think there's what three yeah isn't there three so what what would you say to people then like that's obviously younger get into it what would you say to people a little older in your age bracket where you're trying to either manage the job you're in or you want to dive into real estate same kind of thing like would you just say those are the spots to start off with link up with friends and start making making moves 
I think you got you got to educate yourself somehow. So whether it be by books, um, there's local meetup groups in Windsor. Uh, Wind City Investors Group is one of them. Um, before COVID, we would meet up once a month, and it would just be um, a bunch of investors there. We'd bring speakers in from outside of Windsor to talk about a strategy or accounting or whatever different topics every time. But surrounding yourself with people that are doing stuff is probably one of the major things to really just like bring it home, like bring it real, right? When you see other people succeeding, it's just a matter of finding out how you can implement their strategies to help you succeed. Yeah, and I think for with uh, the stuff that you're talking about, is for me, like I'm doing pretty good with this stuff too, but I am very hands-off. So there's other ways of doing it. It's like educate yourself, talk to people that you respect and know, then go to people that you have relationships with and be willing to... These people, like you're saying, Ty, like somebody needs money then they need it now. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're willing to pay 10 or 12%, which you guys in that, that project that you didn't get might have needed. And then maybe I was the answer to that, mm-hmm. right? Where now I'm making the investment with these guys. I'm essentially a partner, but I'm hands off. But I'm also getting a 10 to 12% return. Right. And then on the back end, whatever we worked out or, you know, the, the appreciated house, whatever that might be. There's like, there's a very, you don't have to be all in like these guys to do what you're doing. Like, you know, 12, sure. 17% is, fuck, that's a pretty good return on your money, man. Like, for doing jack all. Like, yeah. like right? Well, sometimes just, it's just an introduction. Like, sometimes you just need to be introduced to the right people to, so that you can park your money with them. A lot of people don't know these opportunities exist. Now, there is a lot, there is risk that goes along with Absolutely. these things. Absolutely. But that's where your research and your education comes into play because, you know, if you have a friend that's an appraiser, um, they can probably look up the value of the house at the time and the value of what that house will be when you're done with it. Do you know and, anybody who does that? Yeah, I might know someone. <laughs> um, hey, do you guys want to buy a house? <laughs> <laughs> you just got to educate yourself. And if you educate yourself and cross your T's and dot your I's and at the end of the day, then, you know, that is a much more solid investment. And like you say, you don't have to be hands on. Right. You can just say, here's a hundred grand in 12 months. Give me back 120 grand. That's pretty good. Like a lot of people don't get that type of return. Yeah. Most people don't. Yeah, get that I think you're bang on. And like the whole idea of like first time home buyers and things like that, like, you know, with you and Brooke being like, like Ty said, like young and having these jobs. So I was young and had that, that great job with a great income mm-hmm. and not all of my friends did. So I had a solution to their problem. Joe and Matt didn't want to live at home. They moved in with me. I didn't rip them off. I paid, they paid little to no rent really, but it was, enough that my mortgage was paid and then that the more the money that was paid was going elsewhere to build you know for my future and so it's kind of there's always somebody with the solution to your problem that needs you know that needs your help that that you can work if you're willing to look outside the box Mm -hmm. so let's talk now we got casey young man here we want to continue to make sure that the gentleman rules that we've established do not go away so go out to dinner four guys What's happening? What do we know from the outcome? We don't need to discuss it. What's happening? Don't order a salad. Yes. <laughs> when you can get a steak. Don't order a salad when you get a steak. Because when four men go out to dinner, you're fucking splitting the bill. That's right. You're splitting the bill. Right? We- <laughs> oh, you got an appetizer? Or- That's adorable. Yeah, Sorry good about that. for you. Yeah, yeah. Cheapskate. We're splitting it. <laughs> credit yeah, credit cards have to go in a hat. Yeah, one thing you learned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had this game, this legendary game. We play a uh, credit card game. And we all put our... It's the worst game, actually. Oh. I, I like the splitting the bill better. Yeah. <laughs> but the credit card game, 
you put in uh you gotta call it before the game starts everybody puts their says we're putting the credit cards in and everybody just goes all out get whatever you want to eat uh, this would be even more fun now that every actually has a decent <laughs> <No>. amount of money <laughs> and the, at the end of it the credit cards go in and the last card so it's so fun because the waitress comes out and draws them and everybody cheers because when your card gets pulled you're not you're not actually yet. paying like you're just like yeah. so it's like elimination so that very last card that gets pulled has to pay and it seems to always fall on the guy who doesn't want it the most right yeah. <laughs> it's like whenever you're at your weakest moment yeah. that's when you get hit with that credit card bill <laughs> i'm due because i don't think i've ever gotten one. Oh, <laughs> just, just jinxed time, time to there. go out yeah. yeah time to go out i can't wait to go out to dinner with you guys again uh, awesome guys so thank you so much for coming on uh wish you guys all the best ty uh you're the one who's more outgoing for clients how do people get a hold of you if they want to sell buy a house do anything else that you offer uh i mean I'm the only Thai statistician in the world, so that's the nice thing about it. You can Google my name and you'll find my, my Instagram, my Facebook, my phone number is everywhere. I don't hide my cell phone. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's at T Statistician for Instagram and Thai statistician on Facebook. I have a business page and a, and a normal page. Um, yeah, pretty easy to find. And then my website's thaisoldit.com. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. And Joe, if you are taking clients, are you taking clients? Yep, yep. All right. Uh, Joe Morden on Facebook or Morden Realty on Instagram. And maybe, uh, I don't make sure that we did clarify it. What type of clients are you taking for what, maybe? Investors for real estate. So if somebody's so money, looking money to, partners. to put money into a real estate project that you're running, exactly. get a hold of Joe or anybody who needs to get a hold of either of these guys can obviously hit me up for referrals. <laughs> for paid referrals now so we take it in friendship and cigars so thank yeah. you guys very much i hope everybody learned something from this show and that is a wrap cheers cheers thank you it's fun cheers boys now's the time to do more and be more 